0: Hello, welcome back to the Guitar Craft and Other Stuff podcast. I'm your host, Andre Flood. And today we're starting a series. And the series is fairly simple. At the end of each month, on the first of the next month, we're going to have a special podcast where I basically just recap all of the lessons I've learned in the prior month. And sometimes that won't um, happen on a Wednesday. It just so happens that the 1st of February is a Wednesday, but when it's, you know, a different day of the week, that'll just be a bonus podcast for that week. But since today is Wednesday and it's the 1st, this is our recap for January and the lessons that I learned in terms of gear, guitar playing, and all of that stuff. So as you may or may not know, I've been really have I've been having this big push to refine my playing in 2023. And... The first thing new that I was doing was trying to learn a lot of Greg Howe vocabulary, but let's actually take a step back because there were two major goals that I've been working on simultaneously for all of January and really the end of December as well. That is getting my chordal playing together even more. And again, learning a lot of Greg Howe vocabulary. Now, in terms of my chordal playing, I kid you not. I literally just went back and used the materials that I made for my courses, Rhythm Guitars level one through four. That is not a cheap plug. If you listen closely to any of my reviews that I do, if you listen to any of the chords that I play on my channel, they all come exclusively from that course because that course is how I develop my own chord vocabulary. And so again, I of I course noted material because I made the courses, but just because you know something doesn't mean it's immediately available at the front of your mind. So in terms of my chord playing, the process has been bringing that stuff that I already know and getting it so that it's easily accessible for my fingers. Getting it so that the material is right there whenever I need it in the front of my mind. And that's going to continue. For the last month, I've been focusing mostly on level two. And level 2 is a lot of the major mode style chords. Major 7s, major ninths, minor 7s, minor ninths, diminished chords. And all of the variations. I've also dipped into the more exotic minor 6 chords and extensions. Minor, major 7 chords, etc. That's volume 2 level. Sorry, that's level 3. So, you know, moving forward into February, I need to really continue to get level three honed in so level two is honed in nicely i still need to finish up some of the dominant chord ideas i'm working on and then into level three which is more of the minor stuff remember that we have minor seven chords but minor seven chords aren't really minor just like major seven chords aren't really major again that's all covered in level two of the course you can whatever Look into that if you're interested, but level three and what I'm focusing now moving into February is the true, really dark minor sounds. So minor six, minor major seven, uh, minor seven flat five, also known as half diminished, all of those chords. So that's the chord front of things. Now, in terms of the Greg Howe vocabulary, I spent... The whole month really drilling these pretty intricate Greg Howe licks. And then a week ago, a week ago, after spending five or so weeks, just hours, hours, hours learning these licks, I had the realization that this is not the path. This is not the path. And I am sharing this with you because I want you to understand that you never get to a level where you stop making mistakes and mistakes aren't a bad thing because when you make a mistake, you really just learn that you need to go in a different direction in a better direction. So finding a mistake, is almost like finding an improvement if you really think about it, because when I learned that the Greg Howe thing that I was trying to do wasn't the right path for me, I also learned what a better path for me is. So again, if you ever buy a bunch of books or a bunch of video instructionals like I did for Greg Howe and you get deep into it for you know hundreds of hours like I did and you realize it's not the right thing, don't feel bad. That is not wasted time. You did not waste your time doing it because you learned that that's not the right thing for you or maybe it's not the right thing for you at the moment either way it's bringing you closer to the path you should be on so it's not wasted time ever um i'll give another ex- i'll give another analogy and then i'll move on with the point here but you know if you if you're in a long-term relationship with somebody and you think back on your past relationships you had before that person at least to me personally i don't feel like that those past relationships are were wasted because when i was dating in high school and i was dating in college i learned things about myself that are helping me be a better be a better person for my current relationship you know so if you learn things on your guitar journey that are ultimately not for you long term you're still learning an aspect of the guitar and you're learning how to get closer to where you really want to be okay So why weren't the Greg Hollicks right for me right now? There are a few reasons why. The first thing I learned is that although I do play a lot of hybrid picking, which means you use the pick and then you use your fingers to also pluck, I do that a lot, but I noticed that I don't want that to be my primary style of fast delivery on the guitar. I don't want all of my fast licks to be in that form of playing because I realize that when you get to the higher speeds and you're using alternate and you're using hybrid picking, you start to get a bit more attack. So it's not as smooth when you get to the fastest licks for me personally. And although that is a nice sound, it's not the style, it's not the sound I'm going for. I'm not going for a, a, a chicken picking type sound. And even Greg Howe, who has a very smooth style, it has a lot of attack when he's using his fingers. That's not the sound that I'm personally going for. I want, to, When I play fast, I want it to be a very seamless, um, smooth, even sound. And that's not the way to do it. And so when I was playing some of these Greg Howe licks, and I was really spending hours drilling one lick with this hybrid picking, I was realizing that I can't get this to be as smooth as I want it to be. I can't get it as smooth as possible. And that has nothing to do with me. It has to do with how hybrid picking sounds. Hybrid picking is never going to be as perfectly smooth as a more... As as a technique that doesn't that uses even less picking than hybrid picking, if that makes sense. For example, let's just say I'm playing a lick that consisted of 30 notes. If 20 of those 30 notes involve a hybrid picking idea, then that's always going to be more pick attack or finger attack than if that same 50 note lick only used 10 strokes from the pick, right? So what I realized is I need to develop fast licks that are deliberately using less pick attack and less finger attack, which means more hammer-ons and pull-offs with my left hand. And Greg Howe has some of those licks, but most of his licks use a very hybrid picking focus. Now, the benefit that I the benefit that I got from working on this is that I really honed in a lot on the hammer ons from nowhere technique, which is basically when you use your left hand to hammer on to a new string that you didn't pick. And that technique is actually amazing for legato and amazing for creating a very consistent sound. So I learned that I need to really use the technique a lot more on my legato playing, and it's going to make that even sound that I want. And I need to, take, and I need to take away some of that hybrid picking stuff that I've been doing still use a lot of hybrid picking when it comes to playing chords and, you know, things like that, and even slower licks. But with fast licks, when I want a very even legato sound, I need to do even less hybrid picking. The other issue that I was experiencing when learning these longer, fast Greg Howell licks is that I noticed that when I was trying to integrate them into my playing, I had a very difficult time. So, for example... You spend some time transcribing the lick. That takes a lot of time. Then you spend time actually being able to play the lick and memorize it. That takes a lot of time. And then for me, actually, the hardest part, the hardest part is getting that lick to be integrated into your playing, which is very difficult. And the longer the lick is, the harder it is to integrate because the further away it is from what you would naturally do if that makes sense so I've realized that moving forward I'm not going to be learning any long licks anymore any licks that are very long and complex I'm just not going to learn from any guitars because even if I learn them getting them to flow with the other stuff that I usually play is going to be another level of work that I'm not interested in personally. And I'm not saying that you should never do that. I'm not saying you should never learn very long, shreddy licks, but I'm at a point now where I already can play a significant amount of things fast. I've already written my own licks that I can play fast. And so I need to go into the direction of, in terms of fast playing, of continuing to create my own intricate licks. And yes, maybe I can study Greg Howe and whoever else and take inspiration from them, and I have, but I have to filter that inspiration into my own technique and my own ideas, and that's going to eliminate that whole integration phase of practice. Because if it came from my brain, once I know how to play it, it integrates immediately into my style because it's already my style. So I'm bypassing multiple issues. I don't have to worry about learning how to play it, number one, because it it came to me. I just have to worry about refining it. And I don't have to worry about integrating it because it's already integrated because it came from me. So that, I think, is going to be the path of least resistance to developing more of my fast-type lines. That being said... When it comes to Greg Howe's slower licks, or even some of his ideas that I slowed down, I do like a lot of them. I do like a lot of them. But what I found, what I found is that the things that I like about Greg Howe's slower licks are actually things that I hear done better by other guitarists. And again, I'm not, by no means am I trying to bash Greg Howe. You guys know I love him. But what I'm saying is that when I play a slow Greg Howe lick, I think to myself oh this sounds kind of like an Albert King lick. And so if I like this aspect of Greg Howe's playing what I should really be doing is studying Albert King. That's just one example. And so I turned from studying Greg Howlicks to studying the three kings. Albert King, BB King, Freddie King. Also Albert Collins, but he's not a king, but I like to throw him in there as well. But I'm going backwards. I'm going backwards and I'm gonna relearn a lot of this B.B. King, Albert King, Freddie King, Albert Collins stuff because. In terms of slow blues playing, I like them more than anybody else, which is not <laughs> its not really saying much, right? Because, you know, they're, they're the greats. But what I mean is that I'm not studying Steve Ray Vaughn. I'm not studying Jimmy Vaughn. I'm not studying Eric Clapton. I'm not studying Buddy Guy. I'm studying BB King, Albert King, Albert Collins, Freddie King. And so I've been doing that for about a week, not even a week. I've been doing that for about four days now, three, four days. And what I found is that not only are these licks easier to memorize because there are not as many notes, but there's actually so much you can suck out of each of these licks. You take one short Albert King lick and it involves like three or four different types of bendings, right? You bend a note two different ways in one bend into another bend. And I love that sound of really bending notes. And I, I just love the way you can make the guitar sing that way. So I'm turning in terms of my lead play. I'm going back to the blues and i really want to hone in on these players and to the best of my ability, master some of their bending and some of their simple licks and integrate them into my own style. And so that's what I'm doing moving forward in terms of my licks. Albert King, Freddie King, BB King, Albert Collins. No more Greg Howe for now. And I'm also not even spending time working on my legato right now. Because what I noticed is that when I'm playing a lot of legato stuff, if I'm working on my legato every day, I'm not actually adding anything new. And it's just taking away time from the things that I can be learning new. So my legato chops are going to fall. They're not going to be as sharp as they were. But I noticed that within, I don't know, two or three days at the low, at the most, I can pretty much get back all of my facility. And by a week, I can play as fast as I could ever play, even if I haven't been playing that way. So I don't have to worry about the chops going away. And when it's time for me, to go back to them, I know I'll be able to get it back very quickly. So right now I'm just focusing on the simple, simplest licks from the old school grades, along with the core stuff that I already know how to play. I had another realization when it comes to this playing stuff, and that is that I need to continue to work on learning songs. And, you know, I said that I didn't want to work on learning songs right now, but I'm noticing that it's really hard to practice some of this stuff out of context and it doesn't give you anything to play. So even if it's just a simple blues progression with a specific groove, you know, with a blues progression, I consider that a song. Because I have a rhythm thing going, I have a chord progression going, and now I can, I can put these ideas in context quickly. I don't need to learn a melody right now because I have the soloing that I'm working on. So constantly thinking about practicing things in context of particular grooves. Thinking about a groove that goes along with the thing that I'm practicing. Doing that a lot more right now as well with my lick learning. And also at my quarter plank. And I'll even give you a YouTube update. I'm probably not going to give a YouTube update in every one of these monthly updates. But it's it's important right now because... Well, there's a, there's a big change I'm going to be making on the channel. And here's the thing. I have a natural desire in me to try to bring people together. I like... Meeting new people. I like sharing my interests with people who are good people. I like trying to help people who are, you know, trying to do the same thing that I'm doing. So you'll notice that on the podcast in the past, I've had other guitarists, other guitarists who might even play similar music, other guitarists who might even be selling their own courses. But I don't mind doing that because. I truly believe that there is enough out here for everyone. I don't have to hoard my audience and say, you know, I don't want to share what that's, that's silly. I feel like that if we can unite as a community, if we can unite as people, we just elevate the community as a whole. That that's my, that's my honest, true belief. And that's why in January alone, I had two other guitarists on my podcast who, you know, are similar and, and of course everyone's different you know we're all different people all different players and we all have different things to offer but trust me when i tell you there are a lot of people who would say that you shouldn't be doing that with a business right you should be honing in on your own audience and not you know diverting their attention with other people but again it makes me happier as a person to be able to share that with people when I find the YouTuber or a musician who I really enjoy, I want to share it with you because I want you to enjoy it too. It makes me genuinely happy when someone says, Wow, that was a great that was a great guess. I'm gonna go follow him now too. That literally makes me happy. Right? Because that doesn't mean you're gonna stop following me, you know? It's it's not this is this is not a zero sum game, is what I'm trying to say. But the issue that I've been encountering is that And I've done this in my past as well with other things. I spend so much time trying to find people to elevate that. I start to put that ahead of what I'm trying to do myself, which is not smart at the phase that I'm in right now, because you know, my channel is still fairly new. I am not making a living from the channel, not even close. And in fact, I'm still very much in the red in terms of my business And so I have to fight my natural urge to invest in other people because I can't even afford to sustain right now. And that's unfortunate. You know, it, it, it's, it legit bothers me because, you know, there's just not enough time in the day for me to do all the things that I want to do. But what I've noticed with YouTube and with analytics and reading the different YouTube stats and the different recommendations by the company YouTube themselves is that I've learned that having the podcast on the YouTube channel and it not reaching a wider audience is actually hurting the channel as a whole. So when I have a podcast on the channel and it doesn't do well because podcasts just don't do well as my normal videos, if if that were the case, it wouldn't bother me. Like if the YouTube, if all my YouTube, I release a podcast and it doesn't get 10,000 views, I don't care. It doesn't bother me because it it reached a thousand people, 2000 people. They enjoyed it. I'm totally fine with that. But the issue is that it's not just that it doesn't help the channel. It actually hurts the channel. Having videos that I release not do well isn't neutral it's negative and it's bringing down my ability to reach a wider audience right now. So I decided that I have to just go in a different direction and I'm going to continue the podcast. I'm going to continue to have guests on, but I'm not going to be releasing it on the YouTube channel. When it's, when it makes sense, I'll release certain clips as part of other videos. I'll still promote the podcast on my, on my feed, but I can't do this thing where I continue to have guests and different people on the podcast on the, on the main YouTube channel and have that drag down the performance of the stuff that I'm trying to do. And, uh, it's unfortunate. I think in the future, there's some rumors that YouTube is going to release a new podcast tab and if, that, if that's the case, I will use that feature and bring it back with the video. But right now I can't do that. And I know people are going to say just start a separate YouTube channel for the podcast. But I don't want to do that either right now because growing a YouTube channel takes additional work. And I'm still just trying to grow my first channel. And also if they do release the podcast tab feature in the future, I don't want to have this other YouTube channel with my podcast when it could have been on my main channel. So. We're just going to take a pause, six months, 12 months, see how the YouTube channel grows without the podcast. But of course, the podcast will still be available. I'll still be releasing it. I still have guests. I'll still do these little articles. I'll still post it on the channel pages on my on my um, feed and all of that stuff. So February, there's going to be a lot of big videos coming, a lot of plans coming. The final, the Stramberg experiment is going to end in February and I have a couple of really big over-the-top videos planned and lots of other stuff planned as well. But that's the update and we'll do another update on March 1st. By the way, I'm Andre Flood and I'll talk to you soon.